Good morning and welcome to HodgePodge, a new week, second week of February. And uh, we've got a number of things going on on HodgePodge. In the second half of HodgePodge, we'll hear from uh, Becker County's AIS uh, program coordinator, Carl Koenig, who gave a report uh, from 2019 uh, statistics, I guess you could say, how the program went last year and looking ahead to 2020. That's on the second half of HodgePodge. Of course, we'll run through some of the uh, Polar Fest events uh, happening today as well. But first, we're going to talk Giving Hearts Day, which is happening later on this week. And Alyssa Hoskins is in the studio with me this morning. And she is here uh, representing the Boys and Girls Club. Also, the Detroit Lakes Collaborative uh, group of uh, organizations have gotten together uh, to help advertise Giving Hearts Day. And hopefully uh, people locally will donate to uh, some of these great organizations we have in our area. Good morning, Alyssa. Hi there. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. Happy February. And busy week ahead, <laughs> yes. yes. exactly. <laughs> so first off, uh, for our listeners, just to recap what Giving Hearts Day is. Yes, um, so Giving Hearts Day is a 24-hour online giving event and that's for North Dakota and Northwest Minnesota. It's hosted by the Dakota Medical Foundation and the Impact Institute in Fargo, North Dakota. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And this is happening on, is it Thursday? It's Thursday, okay. February 13th. So mark your calendars, lots of other things going on. And the nice thing about this event is it's primarily online. You're able to come and give in person at the mall on the day of, but you can also schedule your gift ahead of time, okay. like today, if you don't want to have to remember that um, on Thursday because everyone has very busy schedules. It's nice to have that option. Right. And the fact that uh, all of these organizations are combining their efforts to advertise uh, this is great. Um, and the hope is that people will give a little bit to each one or a lot to each one is always great. I know a lot of people have their favorite organizations to give to, but you know, what organization in town is not a favorite? I mean, uh, all of these organizations do great work Mm -hmm. in our community, including the Boys and Girls Club of Detroit Lakes and PERM will be participating. Yes. Um, So, uh, what is what what will you use the money for uh, during that you raise in this twenty four hour period? Excellent. Um, so each organization has a different focus mm-hmm. of what they'll use their gifts for on that day. Uh, the really neat thing is to be part of Giving Hearts Day and this online event. You have to secure match sponsors, and so it's a great way to encourage people knowing that. Their gifts will go farther mm-hmm. because everyone has matched sponsors. So it's any gift above $10 will be matched by however much each organization has. So the Boys and Girls Club, um, everything will be matched up to $8,000. Okay. And then all of the different organizations that are participating, they also have matched dollars and are gearing it towards specific um, things within their organization. All right, great. So who is all a part of this Detroit Lakes Collaborative? Yes, we have the American Cancer Society, the Boys and Girls Club of Detroit Lakes, uh, Detroit Mountain, Essentia Health, the St. Mary's Foundation, uh, Friends of Tamarack, Health Resources, Holy Rosary School, Lakes Crisis and Resource Center, Lend a Hand Up, and the Minnesota Flyers Gymnastics. 
So 10 different organizations this year, which is the most that we've had as part of the collaborative. So it's been really great just having everyone come together and work toward that common goal. We're um, saying across the board this year, it's multiple missions and one day. So you're able to have a giving heart and look at lots of different organizations and decide maybe you just want to give to your one favorite, um, but there are so many other options. So you get to learn about everyone a little bit and decide if you'd like to give to a few or everyone. All right. You could put that in your Valentine's Day card. You could put, I I donated to this organization in in memory or for you, for my love for To show my love for you. That is a great, great idea. (laughs) Yes. All right. So we've got uh, Giving Hearts Day happening on Thursday, February 13th. Uh, Alyssa Hoskins from uh, Detroit Lakes Boys and Girls Club, one of the uh, many... uh, organizations from Detroit Lakes participating along with the Detroit Lakes Collaborative, as Alyssa just mentioned, a number of those organizations. Uh, So again, tell us how uh, people can give on the 13th. They they can start giving anytime online. Mm -hmm. Um, And the website is givingheartsday.org. Okay. Yes. Uh, So that's pretty easy to remember. It is, thankfully. (laughs) So you you can go on there as soon as right now and you just choose to schedule a gift and then you search the organization that you would like to give the gift to. Um, one question that we've been asked as part of the collaborative is, if I give, am I giving just to the collaborative and you divide them? No. Once you go onto the website, you select the organizations that you'd like to give mm-hmm. to. So if you choose to um, schedule today, excellent. If you'd rather wait until the day of, you can join us at the Washington Square Mall from 10 a.m., to 1 p.m. All 10 of our organizations will be represented there that day. So if you'd like to come in person and give a gift, that is more than welcome. Also, the day of the website will be accepting gifts, givingheartsday.org, from midnight till midnight on the 13th. So Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So many ways to give. And uh, again, if you want to just stop by and shake the hands or see the whites of these people's eyes Mm -hmm. (laughs) from the organization, stop by the mall between 10 and 1. Uh, Giving Hearts Day is happening on Thursday. And it is is very easy to go online and uh, donate. Uh, They make it easy once you get to that website, givingheartsday.org. Very easy to maneuver through that website. Yes, yes. All right. Well, Alyssa Hoskins, uh, thank you so much from Detroit Lakes Boys and Girls Club participating in Giving Hearts Day uh, coming up on February 13th. But you can give right now by going online. And uh, well, and just one more little thing about the Boys and Girls Club, of course, the Polar Fest plunge. We got to put in a little plug for that. Yes, that is coming up up on Saturday. You can still sign up. Our website is bgcdl.org, and we would love to have you participate and support the mission by doing a really, really fun, fun family event. Okay, Alyssa, thanks. We'll have a run-through of uh, some of the Polar Fest events going on today. And Alyssa, I know, has to run off to our sister station to to plug uh, Giving Hearts Day. So thanks a lot, Alyssa, and uh, good luck. Thank you for having us. You bet. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more HodgePodge after this. Coming up next on HodgePodge, you're going to hear a report recorded on February 4th at the Becker County Board of Commissioner meeting. It was the 2019 
A progress report from Carl Koenig, who is Becker County's Aquatic Invasive Species Program Coordinator. He gave the report to commissioners, the full board of commissioners, and you're also going to hear Barry Nelson, a commissioner for Becker County, on this recording as well. Carl Koenig, Becker County Aquatic Invasive Species Coordinator. I'm just going to touch on a few highlights and ideas I have for uh, 2020. And then before uh, I head out, I'll have um, uh, your chair at this time, right, Ben? I'll have you get a a signature on this for our 2020 um, delegation agreement with the state, if we could. Um, So uh, in in 2019, last year, um, actual expenses versus the budgeted amounts, uh, everything was at or below what was budgeted. the bulk of those expenses, of course, are the watercraft inspectors and, and folks are operating the decontamination units. We had 33 folks on last year. Um, we budgeted around 13,700 hours. We came in around 13,318 hours of inspection time worked at 25 access sites, uh, 23,800 inspections uh, completed there. Um, among the top, you know, few counties in the state that are doing this work as, as far as number of inspections that have happened. Um, a low number of violations, um, no zebra mussel violations at sites that aren't already known to be infested with them. Um, did have a violation with the spiny water fleas up at Many Point Lake. Um, but overall, pretty good compliance with the laws that we see uh, during these inspections. About 2% of the boats that we see arriving have uh, drain plugs installed, 3% arriving with uh, aquatic plants, mud, water that is removed. So good compliance there. Um, Decontamination use um, was the highest in in the five seasons that that, that I've been doing this. Um, Number two statewide among local government units and uh, one statistic I like to pull out is that we get about 3% of the county AIS prevention aid, but we're completing about 10% of the number of decontaminations. So I feel like on a, on a statewide, you know, through a statewide lens, we're, we're pulling our weight. And um, I like to be, you know, at that 10% or more. I think we can continue to grow that as people kind of get used to, to having their equipment decontaminated and see it as a, a valuable service. Uh, but beyond the inspections and decontaminations, the monitoring is something I really tried to expand for 2019. Um, we contracted with an individual who's able to do scuba surveys. Um, that was done at three access sites on Detroit and two access sites on Big Cormorant. Um, those weren't just selected, you know, at randomly. Those sites were selected based on uh, a risk model the University of Minnesota has come out with a model that looks at all the lakes in Minnesota, thousands of lakes. They take uh, the physical kind of requirements of uh, starry stonewort and zebra mussels, and they also use network measures like um, the distance from other infested lakes and the popularity of that lake, how many times that lake name comes up in the the surveys that inspectors use. Um, It doesn't predict for other invasive species, but it's likely that the predictions apply to other invasive species within that model. So uh, Big Cormorant, Detroit, not surprisingly, come up right at the top of the list in Becker County. So um, 
had that that scuba surveying done there. And um, working with the watershed district, uh, they want to really increase the, the, the invasive plant monitoring here for 2020. So that's something I look to, to expand. Um, that, that risk model I mentioned, there's there's a top 30 risk scores for the, the county that I pulled out just to kind of to, to use when that data was available. Um, inspectors are working at tw the, the 22 of those top 30 sites, and we're doing monitoring at 27. Uh, the model isn't perfect. It's, it's not been tested yet. It's new, but it's the best thing that we have. Um, those lakes that are, are on that top 30 but don't have inspectors or we didn't conduct monitoring, some of those might be uh, like not public access sites, like Flat Lake in Tamarack National Wildlife Refuge um, doesn't have a public access. It's coming up in these risk scores probably because there's another lake named Flat Lake somewhere in the state. Again, you know, it's not perfect, but I do try to use it to guide what we do because it's, it's the best thing we've got. Um, Beyond the uh, decontaminate or the the monitoring that we're going to do, um, we're going to continue to offer the uh, control grants. Done that uh, last season, uh, twelve thousand dollars total are available for those grants. Um, those have gone to the curly leaf control at Toad Lake and uh, Flowering Rush here in Detroit and Sally. Um, that's just to to help out. Uh, groups that are already having they have permitted projects, they're already doing fundraising. Um, it's just to kind of assist the, the watershed, the city, and Toad Lake with that. Um, Going to continue to do the invasive plant surveys, hopefully at uh, 25 to 30 sites. That is just uh, myself and another individual taking a boat out, dropping a, a rake head into the water, looking at what, what plants are there, marking that spot on a GPS, and moving on, you know, depending on how clear the water is or what it looks like, maybe 10, 15 feet away, take another point. Um, and like I said, Pelican River Watershed is going to expand what they're doing there, uh, invasive plant monitoring, so I'll try to coordinate with them and not have too much overlap. Um, and yet, again, looking ahead to 2020, uh, we're budgeting for around 13,900 inspect inspection hours. We usually come in a couple hundred below that, but... That'll be, you know, hiring 33 to 35 folks. Um, working with the DNR and their staff to kind of evaluate, uh, improve the, the consistency, the quality of the inspections that are happening, which is always a challenge. They've offered some of their staff to kind of go around and show up at an access and help out. It worked well last year. I want to continue with that. And we're going to work with lake associations to add inspection hours. Um, when they want to contribute. We, last year, I think it was around $8,000. Um, you know, different different lake associations see the, the number of hours that I have planned, and then they'll go to their membership and, and in some cases, add to that. Um, so I'd, I'd like to continue that for 2020. Other than that, uh, did a little update into our tax insert just to get specific on uh, new AIS threats, the Starry Stonewort. Um, movement of dock and lift equipment, which is um, now known to be, a, a, I guess, a, a high-risk type thing, and um, provide, you know, presentations, face-to-face -face, uh, communications at, at local events and, and meetings, like association, COLA-type meetings. I, I uh, always try to do as much of that as I can.
This uh, 2020 AIS program work plan, which has been included here in the packet, shows, um, I guess, the, the income and uh, budgeted expenses we have for the year. This was brought up at the SWCD meeting, this item here from fund balance, 18398 um, And Barry mentioned, well, kind of where, where does that come from or how does that work? Well, we get funds from the state in July and December. And, you know, we're incurring $50,000, $60,000 in costs uh, now until July when we get that first payment. So we do have funds at the end of the year um, that, are, that, that are unspent. They are carried over to the next year and cover the, you know, January through June expenses of the following year. So that fund balance, from fund balance to cover uh, the 2020 budget total is uh, that's that, those are those funds that are unspent from from previous years and uh, more detail on that is in uh, towards the end of that more comprehensive 2019 report where we're at for for dollars and how much is being pushed forward to 2020 there so I know Barry had a question related to that hopefully that clears it up a little bit but if not, definitely have to provide more explanation. Any questions on uh, the 2019 report or direction that we should go with this? So, Mr. Chair, the only question is, um, how about Star, Star Stonewall? That's in Hubbard. There's a lake in Hubbard County. Do we? Do you? I mean, that's probably. I mean, that's a lot more serious than zebra mussels. It is. Um, in some lakes, that starry stonewort does grow super aggressive, um, crowds out other plants, and has, has been a big nuisance in some lakes. Some uh, some lakes, not as much, but the lakes where it's been a big problem are similar to the local lakes here. They're smaller, um, like Lake Coronas uh, down south. That lake in Hubbard County is um, Wolf Lake, right on the border. Um, it's right by two outside of Bemidji, um, right on the border of Beltrami close to, you know, Cass and some of these other places that have it. And, uh, yeah, that's actually where I go with the DNR to kind of train on how to identify it. And, yeah, that, that would be the closest spot to, to Becker County that has it. And I think the best thing we can do um, for that and the other invasive plants is to check, check the high-risk places where it would get started and get on top of it with, you know, herbicide treatment or hand removal right away before it's widespread in the lake so i think and i think that's the point to make when when he's doing those searches by the accesses if you can catch it say we're say we get a, a case of star storm if it's confined to that one area you can maybe eliminate it from your lake but once it gets all around it's it's done yeah it's going to be there it's going to have you're going to have an idea of what's going on and the management costs over time will be less if you're treating one acre versus you know 100 100 acres or, or whatever what they're doing. What was the cost of the, there's a lake that's treating the whole lake, isn't there? Yeah, in Lake Coronas, um, it, it wasn't in the whole lake when they started treating, but in a couple years' time, it's, it's spread to the whole lake. And I've heard different numbers, but um, they're claiming, you know, a couple hundred thousand a year on management there because they're doing mechanical removal. They're actually hauling it out of the lake with harvesters and conveyor belts up out of the water to to keep a channel open to the deeper water and doing uh, different kind like copper and different kinds of algicide to kill it. So yeah, the, the, the costs go up 
real quick when you're talking 100 acres of this or maintaining a big uh, you know boat channel to get through and it's uh so that's that's uh i think probably the best value we can get from a ais prevention aid is you know again keeping keeping decontamination equipment available keeping it so folks who want to move around the county or visitors maybe they have something on their equipment they need to get it cleaned off uh, that's available and this uh, monitoring of the invasive plants i think that uh, in time that could prove valuable if we were able to catch something early before it became widespread so i'm going to look to uh, again work with the watershed district and get uh, really some eyes eyes on those access sites as much as possible in the, the 2020 open water season and that is hodgepodge for this 10th day of February 2020. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Carol McCarthy, KDLM.